Welcome back to the Infinite Creators Podcast. For this episode, I have my auntie Donna, um, who is like a second mother to me, and she has been diagnosed with cancer for a few years and is still living with it today. And it's a very delicate conversation, but I'm so happy that she was willing to come on and you know share her experience. So I hope you enjoy the listen, and thanks again for tuning in. Donna McDade, welcome to the podcast, The Infinite Creators. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on. I know I've just said your name, but I would love you to give yourself an introduction so the listeners can get an idea about you. Hi, my name's Donna McDade. Um, Ryan's auntie. <laughs> and yeah, Ryan's going to interview me. Very good, very good. So Donna, you're my godmother also. You're a second mother to me. And um I know you've been going through a challenging journey for the last while and I'd like to start off with where you were in I think it was 2001 what were your what was your life like and yeah. you know give give the listeners an idea of where where you were in so it was 2021 and yeah I was busy person enjoying life busy and didn't take time to myself but I was quite happy, content, and um, yeah, I was healthy. Very good. So you say you were busy. What was um, what were you doing at the time? What was busy? Yeah, I had just retired, and I was doing relief work in post offices and holiday cover, and I was helping out with a family member that had taken on well, yeah, and just my the running of my own house. Yes, yes. So, um, what was it that you noticed or what was what, what can you just give me an idea of what changed in your life or what was um going on that you noticed that was different yeah what, what was different it was like a blotch on my skin and my left arm just wasn't reaching out underneath it and um yeah i just booked myself in with the doctor okay so you booked yourself in with the doctor and what were you thinking at this time or what was going through your mind yeah I had thoughts through my mind, yeah, that I sort of knew that it wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, and yeah. What What were these blotches like? It was just like um, a red patch, and I knew it wasn't dry skin, it wasn't broken skin, it just, I never had it. I would have fairly good skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and what were your, did you think maybe... What like was what were the thoughts like? What were you thinking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, uh, cancer. Okay. Okay. So you had the thought before you went to the doctor. So what was the process in that at that point? Like you booked yourself in with the doctor. Yeah, and I was very lucky. I I got a good doctor, and uh, she examined me, and uh, she found a lump also, and the red blotches but she did her best uh, she was put me on an antibiotic seven antibiotics a day for a week and for inflammation that I had it was my left breast for inflammation that I had and uh, they did help but she also had me booked in for a mammogram so it all took place within 12 days so when you met the doctor did the doctor did they say that this is what it could be or well, she didn't confirm it. 
she would rather had a mammogram. But I, at that stage, was quite convinced because of the lump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where was the lump? The lump was under my left breast. Okay. Yeah, and swollen that month. Uh, what what was your reaction to this in the the days that followed? Uh, I kept calm. I just told one person, and it stayed between myself and that other person until I was sent to the breast clinic in Letterkenny, and I had the biopsies and the mammogram. Mm-hmm. And then after the mammogram. Yes, so after the mammogram and the needle biopsies, I told my family then that Saturday night because I would have been getting my results the following Thursday. Okay. So I had to prepare them. Okay, okay. How did you prepare yourself? Um, I just said, look, we're not going to lie down to this. Um, I'm going to take control of the cancer, not that's going to, not going to take control of me. And was this, you say control of the cancer, was this before you were even diagnosed? Yes. Okay, so you... You, you had accepted that? I was. I knew by the doctors in the breast clinic, I knew their body language and the words they were using. Yes, yes, yes. So then knowing that you can, or I suppose giving yourself the, you're already taking on the, the challenge without being diagnosed from that point to the point of being diagnosed, what was that moment like or can you tell me about can you walk me through yes well uh so that thursday myself and a friend we went to, into the clinic and um we were taken into my uh doctor dr bagaglis and uh he told me that yes i had cancer it was stage three it was uh her two and and inflammatory cancer and that um, he's not concerned because it's treatable. Mm-hmm. So that was very positive. Leaving his office that day, also his, his nurse booked me in for a bone scan because I was very sore. And, um, but leaving there, his words stuck with us that it is very, he's very positive because it's treatable. Mm-hmm. So that kept me positive. So you, you still had just been diagnosed with stage three cancer and you you said the doctor, he gave you, you know, some positivity to hold on to. How, how, but how still being diagnosed with stage three cancer, that, that, how was that like? Yeah, it was quite scary because it was stage three and I had just discovered, you know, it, it just, it was rapid. Mm. You know, stage three, how do you get cancer? And it's when you're diagnosed, it's stage three. Mm. It was concerning, but he told me, don't be concerned, it's not stage four. Okay, okay. So from that moment then, what followed in the days after, the weeks after? What was the process yeah. and the procedures involved? We had a bone scan on Sligo. And after that, then we had. How soon was the bone scan? Yeah, the bone scan was probably three weeks later. Okay. And uh, then we had to go on to see my oncologist, and he was telling me the treatment plan. And uh, there was a few wee tests to do before we started treatment. Yeah. Okay. What was life? How how did you see life after that moment? Did it still kind of seem the same, or? 
you know, from before to after the diagnosis, did much change? I, I was still capable of doing everything because I wasn't on treatment. I wasn't sick. I could still get up, do everything, put my wee boy out to school. You know, nothing was a problem. I didn't see myself sick mm. at all. Mm-hmm. I remember that moment and, um, like, I was in shock too. It's like, can't believe this has happened, you know, and I, I see my man, I see that she was upset, you know, but I'm like you too. I'm like, no, nah, things will be good, you know, mm-hmm. stay positive and it'll come good. Like, and, you know, we can say them things, but it doesn't mean that it's still not a challenging moment, you know, when I see my man, I see you, you know, and I also see your strength, like, you know, but that was, when, when was that? So that was October, everything started to kick off. So I I went to the, my own doctor, my GP, the last day in September 2021. Mm. It was a Thursday, I remember it well. Yeah, so by the time they got the ball rolling and chemo sorted out, I, I would say I had my la- my first chemo in November 21. Okay, so only two months after diagnosis, which is pretty fast. Yep. Yeah. Um, how did you feel going into this, like knowing that you're... I, I couldn't treatment. wait to get started. Yeah. I thought the quicker I get started, the quicker we'll get this under control. Yeah, okay. And what was it like going through that treatment? What did you experience? Yeah, I, I experienced two close friends going through treatment, and so they were my inspiration. Yeah. Um, then, you know, my first day on chemo, they were so nice. I have to say, oncology unit in Letterkenny, they're next to none. They're mm-hmm. so helpful, kind. And yeah, my first experience of my first day of chemo, it was good, it was grand. You know, they made you feel comfortable. And you're not, I wasn't the only one on this boat. There's more than me and worse. When you look around, you know, I was pretty soaking into chemo because I was sore. And I used to see these old ones, like, jumping off the when, seat. When you say sore, what, like, where, where were you sore? I was sore, um, my ribs and my back. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, I would say a hundred-year-old woman was yeah. going faster than me. <laughs> and I could see these old ladies and men just jumping off the seat. And I wish, I used to say, it was, I wish I could get off the seat like that again. Yeah, okay. And uh, what was the, did, was it just one treatment or what was the, yes. what followed on from that? Well, it was a four chemo treatment. Okay. So I was going on at 10 in the morning and I was getting out at a half five in the evening. Yeah. It was, do you know what? I just smiled through it. I just thought, the only way you get through is a smile and get your rest, drink your water, listen to what the doctors and the nurses tell you and you'll be fine. Yes. And then, what was there any side effects from that? I had, there were side effects, but they have a tablet for everything. But there is a weakness. You do be weak. And I did feel it. I did feel it. But I battered on. Mm. But so you just weak did and nothing else? Just Oh, yes. Uh, well, after my second chemo, I booked in with a hairdresser in for um, a hairpiece and just to take my hair off because I, I can't stand hair lying about. Yeah. So I, I just, just just get rid of it. Yes, yes. And it was the best decision ever. Yes, yes. Well, actually, I remember you wearing a bandana, and I think it really suits you, you know. Um, and so just weak in the hair, anything else? No, just weak hair and loss of appetite. But yeah. I could eat enough to keep my strength up. Yeah. 
And what about your energy levels? Energy levels would have been quite low for about 10 days. Yeah, okay. Um, so where does this bring us to then? We, you went through these, how many, four treatments? No, I went through eight treatments. Oh, eight, sorry. Yes. So after my first treatment, the pain left me. So that was great relief. And I was felt a lot better after that. Mm. Um, yeah, after eight treatments, it, it flew in every three weeks. It doesn't be long coming around. So and where, yeah. where did that bring you up to then? Yeah, so that brought me up uh, to March. March and on 20. my last four chemo treatments, March yes, March 22. But after my eighth four chemo treatment, I, I was sent straight away then after the oncology room, straight up to for a CT scan. And then um, they were brought me in then probably around April time. I had an appointment with my oncologist again. So I'll never forget the day. It was the 13th of April. I was in, I had an appointment with my oncologist and he asked me how I was and I said, I'm doing good. And he says, okay. He says, his initial thoughts before I started treatment that it was stage four. So okay. it was stage four from the very start. He had suspicions that it was in my bones. Okay. So that's where the pain was coming from. My bones were so sore. And he says, but at the moment, it's dormant now in your bones. Mm. And um, I had my brother with me that day and uh, he took it worse than me. And But my oncologist was quite good. He says, you know, there's no cure, but it's treatable and you can live with cancer. Okay. So I remember that time that you were going through your treatment and I just remember you in the house and you were saying that you were having you had more pain and you'd is it headaches as well at the time yeah well it, it, I got another I started Herceptin and Progetta anybody knows anything but cancer yeah. will know those two drugs I started that that was a maintenance drug but on the day that I was talking to my oncologist he told me if ever you get headaches come straight in mm. And so that was fine. I had another scan and everything was still stable, which it was great. That's the best results I can get. And then I started to take headaches. And I took I took panadols and they, they weren't lifting. It was like a thunder headache. They weren't lifting. So my concerns was raised. I told them an oncology unit, so they organized a CT scan for me. So then in August, it was confirmed that I had brain meds. So they had traveled to the brain. Okay, so you've been on a journey of where you've been told you've stage three cancer, and then all of a sudden, it's now stage four, and as far as I'm aware, stage four at a at a time was never treatable. So, like from going strong, going through the treatment to be told that you're no further on. Where where did that leave you? Like what what at what like did that bring you to a different place or yeah. like where was it? Like where how were you at that time? It was the worst news ever. Why was that? Why was it the worst news ever? Yeah, I just thought that's it. It's in the brain. You know, your brain's just gonna swell and you're just gonna waste away. But my oncologist it's probably one of the best in the world. 
he came to talk to me and he says, you know, it's not the end of the world. We're going to get you in. He had sent my report to the radiology department mm. in Alton McGelvin. And I, I was in there and they assessed me. And they started me on radiotherapy right away, which was a relief. He gave me hope. And he also told me that he would send me on a clinical trial. I told him I would go anywhere in the world for it because I, at that time, my son was only 10. And he understands that. And he, um, yeah, he was, yeah, he was good. We got started the radiotherapy in Derry. We got started radiotherapy in Derry. And um, after radiotherapy in Derry, I got a phone call from St. Vincent's in Dublin. And he, he, uh, and I went through a lot of tests to see if I was fit for my clinical trial, and which I was, you know, and that really brought my positivity back, my strength back, and yeah, from it was all good after that. After I'd spoken to my oncology, after that, and yep. Yeah. I just want to go back, because you said it was the worst news in the world. Like, what? Why was that the worst news in the world, Donna? Because I just thought, that's it, I'm finished. Oh, what, what was it, what were you feeling in that moment? Like, what what was life like for you in the moment where you now thought that you were just about, like, you were on the way out? Dark. Dark, yeah. I was upset, about upsetting my family. Um, thinking on my child. A lot of thoughts going through my head. Non-organized. I'm thinking, whatever only like weeks left. Have nothing organized. I have no memories for my child. Yeah. I can only imagine what that's like, Donna. I like. I don't know. I've never been in that position, but you know, hearing you talk about that now makes me emotional. You know. So, um. But, you know, you've come through that journey. Um, you talked about the doctors, you know, you, there's, you've gone through a little process. So the days after, like the days after that moment where you were just, you were told that you'd stage four and you, and you, you had thought that this is it. I have a few weeks to live and, you know, I'm going to leave my son, my family. How, how did you, how did you continue in them days? What was life like? Uh, you know, before I left the hospital, I had great inspiration here because my the doctor, my oncologist, he gave me hope. He did really give me hope. And that brought me back to, to that positive thinking again. Yeah. So it was. And I was able to get up, dust myself down and say, there's worse. You're still able to walk. You can still do things. No, you don't have to lay in bed. No, get up, mm. get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did. So... You didn't know at all, and so or was it like living in a place these few so the days after had you did you know that you were going to make this through or you you said first of all that you thought you had a few weeks at what point did that change to a few months or you know how did you start to give yourself more time yeah you know after I talked to my doctor Lucas, I knew I had longer. And, you know, and that was that on the day? 
Yes, that was on the day I told I had brain myths. Yeah. And he told me, you know, there is, it's not end of life, mm. you know. And that, I was well at myself getting out of hospital again. Mm. I really was. And, um, yeah, everybody was, everybody's was, very good. Was So he was giving you hope, but it also wasn't a haunt, like it wasn't. It could have went either way at that time. Is that was that the way it was? No, or? that never was the way. the The hope was that when I would get my radiotherapy and dairy, that would break the barrier between my body and my brain, mm-hmm. and that the treatment would travel to my brain, mm. because before that there's a barrier, and the treatment can't get to the brain. Mm-hmm. He explained that to me, and that was a great relief. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, it's a learning curve every day. With cancer, yeah. it's learning. It's just learning the next treatment. There's not just one treatment for one cancer. You know, mm-hmm. it has moved a, a lot since the eighties, nineties. Every year, yeah. it's it's improving. Um, the support network. Who who like how how have you been helped and supported through this process? Yeah, family. It only for them. I don't think I could get through without them. Um, you know, just... But in what ways have they been helping? Yeah, well, financially, um, resting, um, just being there, you know, taking care of things. If I can't, if I'm not able to. Can, can you give me some examples? You know, like what kind of yeah. helping and caring? Well, first and... of all, it was like coming over to help to get my house into order yeah. because I was so busy before that. <laughs> yeah. Everything was everywhere. And so that was the first step. Family moved in and they got things into, into respect of the house into order. And I know at the time it shouldn't have been a worry, but it really was. I hated people coming in to my house and it would have been messy. Silly, I know. Um, just and taking my child for days out and and... I have a friend as well, calls calls every day. She calls every day. She's been through the journey herself. And she calls every day. You know, she knows what I'm going through. Is that Geraldine? Geraldine Care, yeah. yeah. That's her. She's an amazing woman. Is that and, her called? Yeah. She called just before the podcast. Yes, yeah, that's her. <laughs> yeah, she calls. She calls every day. And if I'm not done, she'll phone. Phones every morning about 10 o'clock. And my other friend, uh, Fanola McBride. Yeah. She's another woman she's going through she went had gone through the journey as well and she's always in touch with me and then my sisters and you know are excellent so there and brothers you know um i'm so glad for a big family and then i have my nephews and nieces which are yeah only for them they're very good yeah yeah how did you see life before versus saying no you know never imagined that this would be my life never imagined but it you just can't like sorry what were the things that you worried about that you don't worry about that you don't worry about now that are like that mean nothing you know yeah things that i worried about was probably my my boy um be a bit of financial worry as well like but yeah. it was never never a big issue i never really had worries as such you yes. know what i mean like might have been a worry one day and it was forgotten about the next day you yes. know what i mean i never never worried about anything i was more worried about him because he 
would have been sick younger you know, mm. with um temperatures and low white cell count my wee boy like and yeah. i had to watch him from different flus and stuff you know but that all passed yeah so i probably need to rephrase and what was your perspective on life beforehand versus how do you see life today you know what like what is what are the most important things to you now that maybe you feel or is there anything that you give more attention to now that you didn't or that you feel didn't give as as much as you'd have liked to or were able to before well i i think i pay more attention to myself now i spend yeah. i take time for myself and meet people i've still a lot of people to meet yet i have a lot of coffee dates <laughs> i haven't got around to but um yep yeah, i i can just i feel like if i feel like dropping everything and going i just do that so give me a few examples of what does looking after yourself for you know now yep um looking after myself if i feel tired i lie down and rest if i feel like going for a bit of retail therapy i just do it yeah. if i feel like going out for a coffee i just do it yeah and if i feel like doing nothing i don't do anything yeah that's yeah. it good 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 so that's stage four you're diagnosed um the scariest moment in your life you know not knowing if you're gonna live you know that except like accepting or part, or part of you thinking this is it like i've only a few weeks i'm gonna leave my young boy sam behind and overcoming that with hope you've overcome that in a sense that you're still on that journey now like you you still have treatment isn't it Yes. You still go through, like, can you tell me, like, what is it now that your current, like, the path that you're on and how you're managing yourself? So, the path I'm on, I'm in St. Vincent's. I'm on a clinical trial. It's a three-year trial. So, I am nearly have a year done. So, it's treatment every three weeks. It's TDXD, a short for someone. And then I get scans every six weeks along with treatment. So we go up on a Monday night, we're in early on a Tuesday morning and we get the treatment done. And if it's a scan day, we get a scans as well. Come home and rest for the couple of days. And, and yeah, it's, the outlook since I've started that, stable. Spots have solved, dissolved. Uh, on my brain and touch wood there's no progression anywhere else in my body so that's the beauty of getting your scan every six weeks it's a great safety net so it is uh, when you say get your scan every six weeks this is you now if you before yes. cancer or after before no this is now yeah going so you through get, this clinical you get a scan trial. Of, you have treatment every three weeks? Yes. And then you have a scan every six weeks, is it? Scan is... and treatment. Oh. You know, so it's every three weeks. Yeah. Treatment is regardless. Treatment is every three weeks. Yeah. So I must scans on, and then I, the six weeks again, I get treatment and scans. Mm -hmm. So it is. Yeah. It, and it's good. Yeah. So it is. So how long do you have, how long have you been doing this? And how long do you have to do it for? Yes, so I'm doing, I started this clinical trial, I think, on the end of October. And I asked my oncologist in St. Vincent's, you know, how long 
how many more sh shall these I shall be given? And her answer was, as long as your body can tolerate it. So, and so far my organs is holding up all right against the treatment. So, so you're on this indefinitely? Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so possibly for the rest of your life? As long as it keeps working. Okay, yeah. and, and how do they know when it's finally worked? Is there a result or a measurement? Yeah, well, at the moment, they, my spots in the brain have dissolved, but they still keep giving it to me. Like, it's a clinical trial. Yeah. So whatever helps me will help somebody else as well because it's all, I, I give away my right yeah. to help somebody else data and stuff yeah it was it was the only option you had at this time it was the best option yeah uh my oncologist later kenny said he only had the second best treatment mm -hmm. but he knows where the best is yeah. so it was st vincent's yes 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 um it how how do you go about not life now you know like how do you stay positive i just stay positive by being myself being normal I, you know, if I'm going out, I wear my hairpiece. If I'm at the home, I wear my scarf. Mm -hmm. If I'm out, I want to be normal. I want to be treated like normal. Not that somebody is going through cancer. That's not well. I, do you know what? It's it's my life now. It's yeah. how I cope with it. Um, yeah. How do you stay so, so strong? <laughs> you see, people say I'm strong. I, this is me all my life. Donna, you are strong. You know, but this is me all my life. I, you know, if I was knocked down, I got up again. I says, what odds? You know, there's worse things happening to people. I, I just brush it off. I might dwell a day or two, but I'll get up and go again. Like, I, I don't wake up every morning and say, I, look, I do say cancer sucks. Yeah. It does, like. But you can't let it hold you back. You, you just can't. Because if you did, you wouldn't leave the house. Yeah. What do you think this experience is teaching you? It's teaching me a lot that, you know, don't take your health for granted. If you see someone that you know it's not right, should it be a sore finger, sore foot, pain in your back, go and look about it. Mm. Go and look about it. That's, you know, and just respect others. Really and truly, respect others. We don't know what anybody's going through. That's for sure, and we're all we're all, a lot like we're always going through something. Yeah. It's just part of the human experience. Like, you say there, you know, make check, check, make sure you check in your health. So, like, if you were to go back to Donna before you were di she was diagnosed with cancer. What what would Donna do differently? You see, it happened to me very sudden. Uh, it's like a rapid, mm -hmm. a rapid type her too. Um, I, I really don't know what I mm. would do different. I probably probably would have went maybe two weeks before I, when I seen the the little red rash. Yeah. I would have went then, but I kept an eye on it and probably should have went then. You know, I don't know if it made any difference or not. Yeah. But I should have had been there like two weeks before, but. You know, I was kind of afraid to, to go because I was afraid of letting people down. That you know that it was helping at that time, 
And, you know, that was my main concern. Again, wasn't concerned for myself, for other people. So what you just said there, just what, what I take from that is that there was a time you, that you were putting other people in front of you. Yes. You, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would have done that a lot. Um, but... So how, how do you it, feel? It was people that I appreciated and people appreciated me. Of course. You know, you know that is the, the... You know, that was my priority. Like, even my wee boy, like... You know, I would have just dropped things and, and did, did it for him, not for me, for him. You know, um, yeah, that's, you know, I don't regret doing that, you yeah. know. I felt good, I, you know. No, I understand and I, I, I know you don't regret it, but it's like there was still a moment in time where you were like, you know what, I need to do this other thing for this other person instead of like, actually, what is this that's going on with me? I need to take this, this needs to be my priority and... I know there are a lot of people out there who do things for other people and not do things for themselves and that can catch up with them, you know, and it's just like they don't realize that they're taken away from themselves. Like, and you talked about it now, you said you do things for yourself, like, you know, you go for that coffee, you go for retail therapy, you know, so it's just like we get caught up sometimes doing things for others. We do indeed, but those people that I would have been, concerned with and uh you know have been very good to me since mm. no they haven't uh, no it hasn't been forgotten about yeah you know yeah, yeah. But sometimes it bread soon forgotten but not not my case it hasn't yeah, yeah. been yeah these are people very close to you yes yeah yeah of yeah. course mm. of course but um we get caught up sometimes thinking you know what oh, it'll be grand it's not that you yeah. know it's like it was spot in my arm or something you know and then uh, we just go on with their normal daily lives thinking I suppose right. being optimistic, but there's nothing wrong with being optimistic too, mm-hmm. but sometimes we don't always get it right. Through this experience, what has been the most memorable for you? Um, I don't think there's anything most, you know, I, I think it's just after Christmas, getting a phone call from St. Vincent's to say that, you know, all the spots had dissolved and you're stable. And, you know, that is the best result I can get in my life now is stable mm-hmm. you know and stable's good yeah. I'll accept that any day of the week yes yeah. yes yes it's it's been interesting you know see you and be around you going through this experience and um you know <laughs> we sit down there sometimes in the sitting room and I'm just like Jesus Christ <laughs> just seeing you just be so strong and as if like yeah, it's just nothing that's going on, you know. Like it's it's inspiring. Like you know, you you really give me strength from just seeing how you like soldier through this challenging journey. I'm just like you are a warrior. Like you know, you're an inspiration to me, whether you know that or not. But like, I truly, truly feel that energy from you, and I'm very grateful for that too. You know. Um. What's your approach now with every morning when you get up? I thank God every day and every night. Thank God for giving me this day. And when I wake up the next day, thank God for a new day. Yeah. So it sounds like you live for every day, you know. That's it. Yeah. Everybody should. Yeah. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah. 
and and you you sure know that being so close to that. Yeah, yeah, that is right. But I don't see myself sick because I can get up every day, I can wash, dress, I go about my business, do my housework. You know, when I'm allowed. Yeah. To do my housework. <laughs> um, um, you know, I can. You know, a friend calls, I can go with them and, you know, nothing's stopping me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, make the most of what the time you have on this earth. Yeah. And please God, by the end of August, we will get to Spain for 10 days. <laughs> so that's very promising. So with the help, uh, God willing, we'll get to Spain. I'm sure yeah. you will. Um. You lost a part of your independence there for a while where you weren't able to drive. Yes. And you've got back on the road recently. Yes. Short journeys. Um, yeah. So I don't drive for about 10 days after treatment because I will be a wee bit watery, you mm. know, just weak on it. But I don't need to drive. Yeah. It's just knowing that you can get a wee bit independence, you know, rather than having to... Not that I'm anybody feels tortured about it, but just to go and do something for yourself. But I was always very independent anyway. You know, it's just good to have a wee bit of that. Yeah, yeah. That you don't have to lose it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's you know what I never thought about it, but the fact that you just said to me that you don't see yourself as sick, like you choose to not see yourself as sick, like that that is such a powerful outlook on how to see your life it's like it's just something that you're doing yes. you know it's not that you're sick you know yeah. that's amazing Donna yeah well as I say you know if you want to lay in bed and dwell on it it doesn't help yeah. you need your mind busy and fresh air and thinking other things I I can do so much yeah. a lot everything for myself yeah yeah mm -hmm. And from what I see, you seem to enjoy the time that you make going to them treatments as well. Yep. Can you tell me a bit about that? I, well, my sister Shana and normally always my cousin Yvonne, you know, we need a bit of comedy. Yeah. So, yeah, we would <laughs> head sure off. sure you get it with yeah. <laughs> We normally head off on a Monday evening and it's normally always the same hotel. And while I get myself steeped in the bath they'll have a a few sips and maybe we'd have dinner <laughs> beforehand yeah. I, I you know that it, it does it helps going for treatment easier when you have a giggle and yeah. you know yep yeah. yeah, very good you very know. good and ha have you is there anything different that you've integrated into your life like any alternative therapies or practices that you didn't do before that you do now yeah i was um, every week I was going for um, reflexology yeah. with Michelle Garbles and it oh, was really good um, but I must start back to that um, walking my bare feet on the grass or the sand yeah. is good um, and then I, I tried other treatments but um, I didn't keep it up but yeah it's very good mm -hmm. Um, there are actually two things I do myself. I've started with um, Michelle there recently. Mm -hmm. uh, I had something going on with myself and within three weeks it's solved, you know, which has been amazing. And I actually do like walking on the beach 
without any shoes or socks on. It's really good for us. It's called Earthing. It, our body connects with the earth and yeah, it's very nourishing for the body. Yeah, well that was you, Ryan, put me to walk on it on my bare feet <laughs> on the grass. Ah, uh, no, well, you know, just because it works for me doesn't mean it'll work for someone no, else. No, I like know. it. That's good, that's good. So Donna, how would you, what would you say to someone who's going through this experience or is about to go through this experience? What would your advice be? Stay positive. Everybody's journey is different. Just because I'm feeling so positive. I, I, I don't know what to tell anybody. Just what I've been through, everybody's journey is different. There's no two the same. Um, but get up, get out. If you don't have help, ask for help. It's out there. There's always somebody willing to help. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, when you say staying positive, like, can you give me an example of like, you know, maybe not, maybe not everyone's as strong as you, you know? So like, can you give me an example of like, how to stay positive through like a challenging moment, like a really tough moment? Like, how do you, how do you embody think, that? Think on the next day, you know, I, I just think, think what you're going to do for the next couple of days that you have to get done. And if it's not done, it's no big deal. It'll always be there for you. You know, just, you just have to, I, I, I don't know how to explain to be positive. I was always a very positive person anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, you either are very positive or you become very positive. Mm -hmm. and that's my belief anyway. And, yeah. it, and do you know what? A bit of faith. Yeah. A bit of faith goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donna, um, ah, that's just, it's been amazing just having that conversation, you know, with you as, as much time as I spend with you, we never actually sit down and like talked about it in, in depth. Like, you know, I've been with you every, I've been around, you, you know, seeing you through this journey, but never actually sat down and had an intimate conversation mm -hmm. about it. Like, and I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to sit here and I'm so grateful that you're still here with us, you know, to share this experience with me. And if anyone else listens, you know, it's just, it's amazing. It's just like, you're so strong. You're like a true, true warrior. Do you know that? No, but you're after 10. <laughs> I don't see myself <laughs> like that, but you know what? Um, Everybody has a story. Everybody has a journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all different. I know. But like the thing is so many people get caught up in the small things of, in life, like, you know, whether that be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm caught, I've trouble with this or I've trouble with that, trivial things, you know, and they're, they're really, really down in the depths. But like, you know, when it comes to fighting for your life, like, you know, that's when it, the but true strength comes in. People used to always say to me, why am I complaining to you what you're going through? But I always tell people, look, if you have a sore finger and it's painful, that's painful. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> pain is pain. It doesn't matter what anybody else is going through. If you're going through pain at that moment, it's pain. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be thinking that you're complaining over to Hansai. I always say, pain's pain. Yeah, that's true, that's true. I think we get caught up in, we're always going through something. And when, when we get through that, when we get over that challenge, there's still another challenge there that's going to always be in, in our mind that we're trying to battle through. And it's just like, we, we get caught up in that, you know? Yeah. As in like, even though your health may be perfect, you can be someone who's worrying about, am I going to lose my job? 
you know, do I have enough money and stuff like that there. But, mm-hmm. you know, really and truly, they're, they're still trivial things, you know. As yeah. long as we have our health, yeah. we have a home, and we have food and yeah. water, we have everything we need. Health, food, heat, and a roof over your head. Yeah. That is your wealth. It is your wealth, isn't it? So it is, yep. Donna, have you any final words? <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're all three un- mixed up on there. Just anybody that has a journey of any kind, stay positive. Positive, positive. Donna, thank you so, 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 so much. I can't wait to give you a hug after this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> after this conversation. Yes, that's okay. You um, can. Donna, thank you very much. And um, yeah, that's everything for now. Pleasure, Ryan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you again for listening to another episode of the infinite creators. And I ask you to remember that you are the infinite creator.